And, and there is a misconception. A lot of people don't realize, so all cows are grass-fed at the beginning, all of them. So this idea that, that um, they're only fed grain or, or soy at the beginning, that's just not true. They're, they all are fed grass at first, but it's what happens later that is really important for us. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hi, friends. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about how you can really get some of the most nutrient-dense foods onto the, on the planet into your diet. And I think there are probably four pillars that Dr. Kate Shanahan mentions in terms of the healthiest diets and what they contain. And these are meat on the bone organ meats, and then fermented and sprouted foods. So lots of fresh, uncooked ingredients as well, so that you're enhancing your um, healthy gut bacteria through things like fermentation. Sprouting foods makes them more nutrient dense and easier to actually absorb the vitamins and minerals from those foods. And by eating plenty of raw, uncooked foods, you're also really increasing the antioxidant content of your diet. And that's one thing actually that I see in a lot of people's genetic reports when I look at them is that they have impaired SNPs, which means they do have raised antioxidant needs. So they may need to consume more antioxidants from their diet because we make antioxidants and we also need to consume them from the foods that we eat. And so if we have SNPs that are impaired at base level, then we need to go and find more antioxidants in our diet. But one of the things that are very high or is very high in antioxidants is actually um, organ meats. Things like liver, for example, are super high in the antioxidant vitamin A. In fact, if you look at the comparison between plant-based sources of vitamin A, which actually contain things like beta carotene versus something like liver, we have huge disparities in the amount. So per 100 grams of liver, there is about 10,000 milligrams of vitamin A compared to 100 grams of broccoli, you're going to get actually about 261 milligrams of vitamin A or the precursors to vitamin A. So it's undoubtedly a very, very good source of things like vitamin A, which also helps to improve collagen production in the body. And this is something as well that's really important for many diets. Collagen is high in glycine. And when we're looking at eating things like muscle meats, for example, which um, often people eat a lot of lean muscle meat, while they're rich in protein and zinc, vitamin B12, iron and choline, protein um, is also very high in methionine. Now that is an amino acid, which many people are eating a lot more of in comparison to the amount of glycine that they're getting because muscle meats are actually high in both methionine and tryptophan, but very low in glycine. And this is important because glycine is important for gut health. It's not an essential amino acid. It is something that our body can manufacture from serine, but a lot of people are um, in need of higher levels of glycine. And you can get that from things like organ um, organ meats, but also collagenous cuts of meat, so meat on the bone. And that's something we try and do in our household is to have um, meat on the bone at least once or twice a week. And we also consume lots of bone broth, as you've probably heard me talk about on previous podcasts. I will put um, cook rice, for example, for my kids in bone broth so I can get that extra nutrients in them because they're not quite the same as me and are happy to kind of drink bone broth like a cup of tea. So I tend to do it that way. But glycine is really, really important for our skin, for our cartilage, for our blood, our bones and our ligaments. And actually, interestingly, if you look at Dr. Kate's research, um, cellulite may even be down to a deficiency in collagen. And I know that's something that many people struggle with. And again, it's something I see on genetic reports that some people do have a higher disposition to. So we want to be making sure that in addition to eating good quality organic grass-fed meats that we're not just having the muscle meat, we are having meat on the bone as well. Now, if you're not getting enough um, glycine into your diet, this can actually create an imbalance between the methionine and glycine ratio. And this is important because it can actually deplete the body of B vitamins and trace minerals. And again, your need for B vitamins is determined in part by your genetics. Again, some people do have impaired SNPs, 
where they have a higher need for B vitamins, which can really affect their energy levels and their cognition, but it also affects a really important pathway in the body known as methylation. And if we are constantly depleting these B vitamins and we maybe don't have enough and we're not methylating properly and we're having this high methionine, this can be an issue because we can end up with more homocysteine because methionine is actually a precursor to homocysteine. And so the more methionine we get in our diet, the more homocysteine our body has the ability to produce. And homocysteine is an inflammatory protein that is associated with conditions like cardiovascular disease, stroke, and diabetes. And so it's actually really important that we do make sure that we have enough B vitamins in our diet. And again, this is something, as I say, that is largely determined, or at least in part, by your genetics. So you want to be getting lots of food that are high in B vitamins and in particular things like folate, which is B9, sources of B6, which can also affect your mood and your sleep because it affects the serotonin melatonin pathway um, and also vitamin B12 alongside things like magnesium and zinc. Now, again, when we look at the, um, the nutritional content for um, folate, for example, we automatically think, well, we must be getting leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables like broccoli. Um, but actually liver again comes out trumps here and contains much, much higher levels. So getting organ meats, as you're going to hear about in a moment and how you can do this, please don't be thinking, oh my God, I just can't eat organ meats. I can't stand the taste of them because you're going to be learning an easy hack today on the show. But these can really help to increase your levels of B vitamins alongside other minerals. So they're super, super nutrient dense and important. And what we see as well on genetics is that some people's detoxification pathways are actually impaired. And so they do need more help. They need more things like cruciferous vegetables in their diet alongside the allium family, which are things like onions and garlic and leek. So all of this is so, so important for longevity. And if you want to find out more about this, I teach all things like this on my Live Younger Longer Blueprint. And I'm actually hosting a free masterclass where you can come along and listen to me uh, educate you on genetics and longevity for an hour. And I'm going to be hosting that um, on the 30th of December at 4 p.m. GMT. So that's 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. And I'd love for you to come and join me. It's completely free. If you'd like to register your spot, just go to bit.ly forward slash live younger masterclass. That's bit.ly forward slash live younger masterclass. And I'll be sharing all about genetics and how you can really customize and optimize both your nutrition, your fitness, your sleep, and your lifestyle to your genetics and really head into 2022 as the healthiest, most vibrant, happiest version of you. So the link for that is bit.ly forward slash live younger masterclass. And as I say, it's completely free to come and join me. But getting back now to organ meats, as I say, you might be thinking, well, I just can't eat them. And I definitely was given things like heart curry as a child um, and liver and even brains on a trip to Paris, which I have to say, I really didn't enjoy when my, when my mother gave me those. Um, but there is an easier way actually to get organ meats into your diet. Um, I, for one, actually really enjoy the taste of liver. I think some liver pate is really, really nice. I don't like to eat liver as such, but I think liver pate is really nice. But the next best thing is actually to use organ meat seasoning. Now, this can be an easy way, and it's definitely the way that I have been getting organ meats into my children, and they absolutely love it. So I've been using, and you may have seen me posting about this on Instagram, um, an organ-based seasoning called Pluck or Eat Pluck. It tastes absolutely delicious. Really, really nice. Now, if you want to use this, what you want to do is actually put it on after you've cooked the food, because otherwise the heat can actually destroy some of these important vitamins and minerals, as you're about to hear about on today's show. Um, but when you sprinkle it over with a bit of like Redmond Real Salt, absolutely tastes amazing. And I've caught my 14 year old cooking a flattened chicken breast in the pan and sprinkling this season on it. That's how good it is. So all my kids love it. We sneak it into our kind of taco mints as well. We'll put it into things like bolognese, anything really just to upgrade it. And we've definitely had a lot of it on the barbecue 
over the summer. So I had to reach out and get James Barry, the founder of Eat Pluck, on the show. He's a very seasoned chef as well. And you'll be hearing on today's episode all about the history of organ meats and really why they are so, so important and how if you feel like you definitely can't eat them, then having some pluck organ-based seasoning may be the answer for you. So let me now introduce you to James. So I've been recently trying over the last few months a very cool organ-based seasoning called Pluck and it tastes amazing. It has a little bit of um, some herbs, some Himalayan salt in it. Um, It just tastes incredible and it's been a really good way of me actually getting some uh, high quality vitamin and minerals and organ-based products into my kids, right? Because they're probably not going to sit down and eat kidney and liver, even though as a child, my mother used to make me do that and I think it put me off a lot. And so I was so excited to get James Barry, the founder of Pluck, onto the show. So James, first of all, really warm welcome. It's so great to have you here today. So great to be here. Thanks so much, Angela. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you because as I say that, you know, this is a seasoning that my kids actually love. My teenage son, uh, just we were saying earlier, he's making his own lunch and he is sprinkling it onto a nice flattened chicken breast that he's about to have for lunch. And they love the way it just upgrades uh, whatever they're having. And it's amazing. We were using it all summer on barbecues. um, And it's a really great way of really enhancing the nutrient density so tell me let's just why don't we start with because people listening i think a lot of time you talk about awful they're like oh my god awful awful i can't do this right <laughs> so this is a really good way of eating it but why don't we start because you are an expert on awful you know a lot about the history of it why it's so important so why don't we start there and then we can link to why you began the company yeah not the best name right awful <laughs> um yeah so actually it's it's interesting so the the awful name they, they, there's kind of lots of, lots of thoughts of where it originally came from. But what, what I've found is that it, it refers to the parts of the animal that are falling off when they're butchering the animal. So you imagine when they're butchering the animal, like they slice open the, the cattle and these are the parts that fall off, you know, whereas muscle meat, they actually have to cut off. Right. Uh, okay. And so, um, but throughout time it's had you know, awful has had other names. It's had variety meats. It's called organ meats. And funny enough, it's also been called pluck, which is where we get the name for the product. So Mm. pluck, even though we associate pluck with plucking feathers or plucky attitude, it actually historically is what uh, was defined as animal organs. Interesting. Yeah. Now organ meats though, what's, what's interesting is, so we, we think organ meats, we think of organ meats as like liver, kidney, heart, you know, you just mentioned that, but it also refers to, um, you know, really the nose and tail. So they refer to it as the bone marrow, the tongue, the lips, the ears, skin, tail, um, other ways that organs kind of show up in cultures, which I find fascinating. I, I look at it every country and I'm like, okay, well, how does, how does awful show up in this country? You know, for example, you're in the UK, right? We have, you know, you have steak and kidney, um, bean pies, right? That's built into the culture. There's other mm-hmm. things as well. Of course, there's blood sausage, for example, yeah, that's, black, that would pudding. Be, black pudding. Exactly. So those would be considered organ, organ meat products. Um, you have tripe, which is the stomach lining. Um, in China, they use the feet of the chickens a lot and they use that. They sometimes they fry it and they will serve it on a platter. And it's really, have you ever had chicken feet? I haven't eaten chicken feet. No. Really? I've eaten brains. I've eaten hearts. Oh, that's <laughs> I've eaten great. liver. Brains was in Paris as a child. My mother loved brains and she was like, we've got to try it. And I, I really didn't enjoy it, I must say. Um, well, any of, us, any of us that grew up with like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, I, know, I did. Do you remember that scene yeah, where they show I, the monkey brains? And so, mm. you know, and particularly in the US, everyone looked at that as something that's from a movie. No one actually eats it, but that is the way other countries mm. eat. And how did you think brain tasted? Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember it. And I didn't enjoy it. And I wanted to because my mom was excited. And obviously, it was on a holiday in Paris. And, and, you know, I kind of I think because we were such a foodie family, we always prided ourselves. So, you know, like we would always really enjoy, you know, beef that was cooked really rare. Okay, so Mm -hmm. my dad was always like, like, don't if you if you overcook it, you're absolutely destroying it, you're destroying the flavor, the enzyme, everything. And they're absolutely right. 
Um, and so I wanted to like it more, but I didn't. I did enjoy liver sometimes. My mum would make heart shoe because she used to buy the whole animal from her butcher and oh, then we would brilliant. eat all of it. So it's an amazing way to grow up. Yeah. And so I would have heart curry. And so for me, it's what happened was, though, is during our childhood here in the UK, everybody got very, very scared when we um, heard about mad cow's disease. And this created a lot of fear. And people became nervous of eating the offal. Because I remember my dad literally sucking the marrow out of bones. And he was like, this is great. This is what you should do at the end of a meal. But then after that, there was this fear-based thing. So I think it was really heavily cut down and people started to focus much more on muscle meats. But even then they were a little bit for a while afraid of eating them. And so I we stepped away from it. And this was just a really wonderful way to kind of transition back into it really. Well, you bring up a great point. And, and that's, that is that a lot of people are under the misconception that organ meats are where the toxins store. So a lot of people, I think that feed, I think a mad cow disease, but I think it extends beyond that where people have this misconception that, that organ meats store toxins. And that's actually not true. They're the filtration. And, and, and it's really more of like they're, they're a filter versus a sponge. I think when you think of a sponge, you think of something that absorbs the toxins and sticks in there. But really, it's just like a waste. So it's a filter um, to support your body systems and the toxins. Um, so there's lots of uh, there's there's lots of nutrients and vitamins in there to support the filtration of these toxins to remove things, to, to support your body's systems. But then from there, they leave, they don't stay in the organs. Then ideally, if your body is, you know, the detoxification pathways of your body are working well, then it will leave. And most toxins get stored ironically in the fat, mm, body right? fat, right. And so that's, that's, you know, someone that's really heavy, which is, you know, interesting, right? Because in most, I know this is true in the UK and the U S we are, calorie rich countries and nutrient deficient mm. as well. So isn't that interesting, right? Mm, really interesting that, that we, we it's, we, it's not about that. We're not getting enough calories, but yet both countries and really the world is nutrient deficient. Mm. And so why is that? Right. That's the question that basically got me to really focus in on how can I help this situation? Because we're clearly getting too much food, too many calories, too many nutrient deficient foods, um, but not, not, you know, not enough nutrients. And so how, how do you then get the most nutrient dense foods in your diet? When, like you said, most of us, you know, in this more modern culture and our newer generations are not eating organ meat, which is hands down the most nutrient dense food on the planet. Mm. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that it is stored in body fat. Um, and that's the reason why when people are trying to lose weight, enhancing those detoxification pathways are so important because otherwise the body becomes stingy about giving up fat because it knows it's going to release all of these toxins. And it's also, yeah, and it's also why a lot of people feel sick when they start to detoxify, if they detoxify too quickly. Mm. Right? Yeah, which can overwhelm the body. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. So. So that's why, you know, drinking enough water, making sure that you, um, that you are eating really quality, you know, animal products, um, because, you know, the same concept of if your body, if you, the human body is not working properly, then your detoxification pathways aren't open. So then, yeah, you're going to be storing more toxins. Right. And we do, there's, it's not just about food, of course. And I mean, I know, you know, this, it's like, it's environment, it's stress, life, it's stressful life. So we are getting toxins, uh, EMFs, you know, so we're getting toxins in the air and the water in our food. And, and so if your detoxification pathways aren't open, then yeah, you're going to be storing those. But the same is true for the animal, right? So if the animal is not being raised properly, if it's in a stressful environment, if it's being fed sick animals, which is why we got mad cow disease, right? Mad cow disease is because they had sick animals. And instead of disposing of that, that those sick animals, they fed those sick animals to the healthy. Well, I'm using quotation marks in the air, healthy animals. They fed them to the conventionally fed animals. And then those animals got sick. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that. that's, that's how we get mad cow disease. It's not, it's the cows are not inherently sick. They get sick because of the environment they're being raised in and because of the food they're being fed. And, and there is a misconception. A lot of people don't realize. So all cows are grass fed at the beginning, all of them. 
So this idea that that um, they're only fed grain or, or soy at the beginning, that's just not true. They're, they all are fed grass at first, but it's what happens later that is really important for us. So some then transition, um, most of them transition, this is conventional meat, to eating then the grain. Well, I want to say just grains and soy, but actually it's everything. That's like one, like I said, this is where mad cow disease came is because they're, they're using by, by like, they're, they're using the waste product from other industry. They're using sick, you know, pet food, you know, any animals that get killed or, you know, roadkill, whatever, like, um, sometimes from, um, from the, uh, pet, what are those, the dog catchers, you know, when they, when they euthanize animals where those bodies sometimes get fed to zoos, to agriculture. So you just, there's, there's, you just don't know what's necessarily going into those conventional cows. But we do know that if they were to keep living beyond when they are slaughtered, they wouldn't survive off of what they're being fed because the industry is focusing on how fast can I get this animal to grow and how heavy can I get it? And how much, how much profit can I get from the carcass, from the meat? So they're, they're interested in cheaply feeding that animal and making it grow as fast as possible. And that's and not I think a lot of people don't industry. always realize that, right? And when you look at beef, because there's become a delicacy around having this marbled effect and this grain-fed meat. Um, and it's it's some restaurants, for example, actually put it on the menu, grain-fed for optimal um, taste, right? There's yeah. a type of Japanese, the name's escaping me now, which tastes delicious w Japanese uh, wa beef. Wagyu, wagyu. Wagyu beef, yeah. yeah, which is fed in that way. And I think yeah. people don't realize, but the point you're making there, a wider point around the toxicity is super important because people may be avoiding organ meats on that basis wrongly, as you've said, but then they're eating the fatty part on the bacon, they're eating the fat on the edge of the steak, and they are literally absorbing the toxins from that animal when yeah. they do that because animals are the same as us, right? The toxins exactly. are going into body fat. Exactly, exactly. And so the quality of what you know, the, the same way that you want to treat your body, you know, the quality of what you're putting in the body, the quality of the environment um, are just as important for the animal. I really do believe that there's ancestral concepts of like supports like so the way um, and that extends to not just, you know, if you're eating so like supports like supports like refers to if you're eating if you're having let's say you need support with your heart, then you should eat heart. If you need support with your liver, then eat liver, you know, so it's liver supports liver, heart supports heart. So that's like, supports like, yeah. So that's, there is belief that, um, let's say if you're low testosterone, then you should be eating the, the testes of the animal, things like that. So, um, there that's like support, like, but it also extends to the health of the animal equals the health of you. Mm. Right. Mm, so so that's so. that's really where the quality comes into place and why even when I was sourcing pluck, you know, it's interesting. Um, these so I'm in the US, I'm we're based in Portland, Oregon, but I looked everywhere. I mean, I looked everywhere for domestic sourcing of healthy cow offal um, and I couldn't find it in the supply chain. I found small farms that are doing, you know, doing hundred percent grass fed beef, which is what you're looking for. That grass fed grass finished. That's the key. Cause like I said, they're all grass fed, but are they grass finished? Mm. That's the key. Um, so I was looking for that. I could not find it, um, where I could get access to all five of the organs I wanted. So pluck has liver, kidney, heart, spleen, and pancreas. And I could not find a supply chain that was providing all of those. So I had to go to New Zealand, which is where most of the awful, like most of the organ supplements industry, that's where most of them are getting product because New Zealand is an Island. They can control the environment really well. They, um, their economy is set up where their cattle industry is one of their main sources for the, for the economy. Um, so they just have a really great system already in place. Argentina also is another re resource. And that's where most of the grass fed, grass finished, um, organ meats are coming from that you're finding in supplements. But I'm happy to report that since I launched in January, I've now been working on a domestic sourcing for it. And I have found a farm 
um, that I'm going to be transitioning to. And I found a freeze dryer because that's really, that's the other piece. And I, I could kind of go off on this, but there's the sourcing of the meat, but then for my industry, you also have to find a dehydrate or like a freeze drying facility that will then work with the meat. Mm-hmm. And, um, most, most, um, cause it's freeze dried freeze drying is going to keep it as nutrient dense as possible. So it's very little heat when you freeze dry. <clears throat> and uh, that's really key is we want to make sure that it's as nutrient dense as possible. And that's why I tell people when they're using pluck, don't just cook with it, like finish your product with it. Because yeah. anytime you add heat to anything that's nutritional, like high with, with a, with a lot of vitamins and nutrients in it, heat will kill those. So okay. it's always good. You can do both, but I, I always say, don't just add it to the meal while it's cooking. Also finish with it. Cause that's when you're going to get the most nutrients. Um, but fi- we found a freeze dryer because most freeze dryers are doing, um, fruits and vegetables. So it's really hard to find meat ones. And then also ones that have room to accept more business. Cause they, they're all packed. It, it's survival foods and freeze dried foods. It's very, very popular. Um, so yeah, really for people's but, smoothies and things as well, yeah, right? Exactly. That's really taken off. It's a huge well, that's amazing that you found a local one. Oh, I, it was so hard. I got to tell you, but, but that's why I see New Zealand is all set up for that. They've got it all. They've got it dialed in. They've got the freeze drying facilities. They've got the, the, the nose to tell eating down. They've got it all down. So, um, my goal is to get that established in the U S and then, and then hopefully eventually in the UK as well. I mean, that, that would be, that would be a dream. Amazing. And so talking about the vitamins and minerals though, in it, because it is so rich, do you yeah. want to t- talk a little bit more? So when somebody, cause they are really upgrading the food when they add this, apart from upgrading the flavor, it tastes amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're getting really, it's, it's more about what are you not getting almost because there's, it's kind of like everything. If you've ever seen, if you do any kind of search on what is the most nutrient dense foods, you'll see a list and then inevitably it will usually be something like kale, blueberry, spinach. You'll see beef on there, but they will usually include liver. And, and when they do, you'll see liver, the numbers for what's in liver, just liver. And I'm not focusing on the other organs. It's, it's just off the charts. It's not just like a little higher. It's like seven to 20 times higher. And it has vitamins A, B, C, D, E, and K. It has um, minerals like uh, potassium, iron. It's heme iron, which is very absorbable. It's phosphorus, uh, selenium, zinc, calcium, copper, magnesium. has folate. And And you may notice I'm mentioning a lot of things that are in prenatals. Like when you take a prenatal, this is a lot of what's in it. And isn't that interesting that organ meats contain the vitamins, you know, the minerals that basically, um, we're, we're recommending for when you're creating life. So Mm -hmm. I really, I classify organs as mother nature's multivitamin. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. Kind of it's amazing. natural. It's true. Natural multivitamin. Um, very much so. And so how much does somebody need to add in the way that nutrient density quantity, um, of what you've produced there, how much do you need to add to kind of get that full spectrum that you need in terms of the, le- the amount of seasoning? It's a great question. So, so there's lots of, you know, here in the U S we have the USDA recommendations and, and every country has what they recommended, the daily dose of what's recommended. And there is actually a little, there is some controversy, you know, particularly around like vitamin A, um, some will say that you can get too much. Others will say if it's coming from a whole food source, you can't. It's when it's synthetic that you can. So there's lots of different stats on these things. But that aside from any, you know, because it's really going to be what's specific to your body, What because I, I don't know what you need versus what someone else's needs specifically. But in general, when you're going to get the most from eating the organ meats, the whole organ meats, because that's, there's no added ingredients. You're getting, you know, the whole liver, for example, and you're going to get an abundant of nutrients. And usually if someone's eating organ meats, you, you maybe eat it once a week. You're not eating it every day. Cause that would be, an, that would probably be too much. Um, but in terms of pluck, I specifically did not want to be a supplement company because I, I kind of, I get cautious when I see people self-diagnosing 
I think, I think, you know, the Google Dr. Google, you know, is kind of can be dangerous. And when people are self-diagnosing, I think that they are assuming that their body needs what with whatever someone else needs. And uh, it's just not true. You know, when you get tested specifically for your body, you may be low in iron, but someone else may not be. So if you're taking this, someone recommended that you take liver pills and you're doing them, but you didn't get tested before you start taking them, you could be getting too much iron, you know? And so there's a danger of getting too much of something and too little. So I was really specific when I was formulating the, in, the recipe that I wanted to give you enough where you would be getting something that you were not before, but not so much that if you used it in every meal, you would, I would push you into a danger zone. So I kind of found that balance. And the way I best describe it is that it is micro dosing. So it's not, it's not, you know, if you just eat a pinch of pluck in one meal a week, that's really not going to do anything for you. But if you're doing a pinch or more in every meal that you're eating throughout the week, then that's micro dosing and, and, and frequent use. And that adds up. Yeah. And so that does start to add up to equivalent of what you would be taking from the pills, but you do have to do it regularly to get the nutrient um, load. But I do look at it. I look at micro dosing no different than I would at the bad stuff like glyphosate, for example, right? Glyphosate, uh, which is found in Roundup, which, which is, you know, the Monsanto when Monsanto used to exist. Um, that, that's, the, that's the thing they're finding and the chemical they're finding in everyone now. You know, and it was something when it first came out, it was only supposedly going to come out in very small doses. And they were saying, oh, if you get it in very, these, these very small amounts, then your body will be fine. Your body can handle it. But they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't, they didn't account for the fact that we were going to get it in our water, that we were going to get it in the air, the food, they didn't account for all the ways we were going to get the micro dosing of glyphosate. So clearly that microdosing adds up over time. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I look at it. It's like good or bad microdosing does work. It's yeah, it just, does work. It's, it does work. <clears throat> and so that's why I do think pluck is an absolute um, entry point for organ eating. It, I see it as the gateway. It's like, this is the easiest way to start to get the organ meat nutrients into your diet and to start to adjust your taste buds to organ meats. And as you would probably test and your kids would attest, Pluck does not taste like organ meats, no. right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. So you don't even know you're eating organ meats, but what it does taste like is umami. And umami is the fifth taste. So we have bitter, sweet, sour, and salty. And umami is the fifth one. And the base, best way to kind of describe umami is just, it's, it's savory. I, don't, I mean, would you kind of, how would you describe that flavor? Yeah, it is savory, but it's difficult to sort of put your finger on it, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not too, what I like about it is it's not too intense. So it doesn't actually interfere with any other seasoning that you want to add, right? So right. you can you can in increase it. Like if you want to put a kind of barbecue style seasoning or upgrade it to more spicy. And I know you have many flavors coming out, but if you want to add things like a bit of cayenne and paprika, you can. And it doesn't, it just, it sits really, really well in the background. That's what I liked about it was the versatility of it. Um, and the fact that it isn't overpowering any kind of recipe that you're using. So you can sprinkle it on top at the end, as you say, without yeah. really interfering the oil. It just subtly provides an extra dimension. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, yeah. So umami though, and as you mentioned earlier, umami kind of what it does is, is it makes everything kind of, it enhances the flavors of everything else. So whether it's, you sprinkle it on chicken or fish and it's very versatile in that way. Fortunately, pluck is really versatile. You can put it on anything in it and it will just enhance the flavor of whatever you're eating. And you'll notice in most packaged foods, um, it, they'll usually add something like MSG to, to the, to the food. And basically what they're doing is, is MSG is that the form that they're using is, is a synthetic form of MSG, but it's basically umami. Like the industry has learned that umami, when you add this fifth taste to this fifth unique taste to a product, it brings out this other flavor. It kind of like perks up your flavor, your taste buds because your body doesn't normally get umami. Mm. It's, it's inherently individual and unique. 
And so that's why it's fascinating when kids, when adults try to pluck, I find they kind of perk up. They're like, oh, what's this? And I think it's because of the umami because their body is not usually getting umami in, in what they're eating. But umami is, is inherently, it's just in uh, organs. That's where the umami is coming from, is from the yeah. organs. Yes, yeah, as I say, is it definitely is something my kids perk up to, and they're not. Um, and you know, they are they are quite adventurous kids. Um, so I'm not saying they're not, but you don't need to be adventurous to do this. That's the thing, um, because it 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 tastes really really good. I, I really enjoy it. Tell me about because you've got exciting things coming. You've got new flavors coming out. Yeah, um, um, thank you for asking. I'm so excited. Um, so we have four new flavors. Uh, well, I guess four. There'll be four flavors total. So we currently have an all-purpose flavor where that's the one you have. Um, and then we're going to have a spicy version of that. And then we're going to have a, a garden vegetable version. And this version is going to be what's uh, called AIP, so autoimmune protocol, meaning it has no nightshades, no like tomatoes or peppers, um, no peppercorns. And then it's also going to have no seeds. And uh, that would include like no mustard seed, no cumin, no literal seeds like sesame or anything like that. But um, that that blend, it will serve anyone, but it also people that are AIP um, on that protocol or diet. And then the fourth one is, is basically going to just be our organ blend. So we're calling it Pluck Pure, and it's just 100% organ blend. And that's going to be for those people um, that really do know that they need, you know, let's say they do know I'm low iron and I need more organ meats in my diet. So I need a, I don't need just microdosing. I need more than what the pluck has. And that's going to really be for those people. You won't have to, you know, open your capsules anymore. You'll, it will just be in a powder form that you can then scoop into your smoothies. You can put on your rice, you can add it to whatever you want. It will not taste good. <laughs> I, will, I will be fully transparent about that. Like organs, you know, they, they have a very strong taste. So it's an, it's an acquired taste. Um, but you can really work with whatever flavors you're using. So if you, let's say you have a favorite curry spice, you'll be able to take pluck pure and just add it to that spice and kind of make your own version of, of, of our product pluck. You know what I mean? So it's going to be really you'll versatile. encapsulate it at any point as well for people who maybe don't want the taste, but want to get all the benefits of the concentrated dose. I, I don't think I will only because that exists, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 uh, that form of, of organ meat, um, consumption exists. So I, I'm, I'm really, what I'm really most interested in is, is not seeing organ meats as a supplement, but as a food. Mm. I think that's really what kind of in, inspires me and drives me is, um, when I was creating pluck, so there's really two routes in the US. You can either be a product that's FDA or USDA. And I don't know what it is in the UK, but that's our route in the US. And in the most, so all the supplements are FDA approved. And, and what that means is that they really don't have as much oversight as you would think. A lot of times that means that the, the FDA is looking for the company to tell you what's in it and what it is. And they don't do, they don't have the budget nor the, the person power to really do do a lot of due diligence um and then if the product has over a certain percentage of meat in it you know or organ meat in my case and it's over two percent then it becomes a usda product but you have to basically um well i'm sorry i'm, I'm i don't want to miss i don't want to miss uh quote this so basically the fd you can have over two percent for an fda but it's technically a dietary supplement when it's fda it's seen as a supplement so anyone that is, is kind of like putting out a product like a capsule or something, they can't, um, they can't, they can't market it as a food. They have to, they have to, they have to basically say, this is a supplement, but I was really about, this is a food. Like I want to, I want to bring nose to tail eating into the lexicon and really call it what it is. It's not, it's not pet food. It's not, you know, not for human consumption, which there's really only a few courses of Avenue for organs right now. They're used as food for pets, which then they're classified as not for human consumption or they're dietary supplements. And there's not a lot of Avenue for food, you know, in food products, obviously, you know, you go to your meat counter and if they have organ meat, then that's food. But 
you know, a lot of people don't realize this, organ meats are in hot dogs, for example, a lot of processed meats contain organ meats, but they don't necessarily contain the liver, the kidney, the heart, they contain like the lips, mm -hmm. um, you know, the other parts of that are considered awful, the parts of the animal that are not necessarily uh, uh, sold individually in that way. So they're just trying to maximize the use of the animal. So there is awful in some of these products, but I, I still have found that people aren't really looking at awful as a food. And I just, I just want to change that. I want to make it so that if you buy popcorn and it has pluck on it, that that's okay. It's not necessarily considered a dietary. Hmm. It's not something you're going to find in a supplement aisle. Like I want to, I want to really make, I want to mainstream basically organ meats. That's, that's my goal. That's a very cool goal. And also, I mean, I, if you can have, I think, as we were talking earlier, the way it upgrades the other foods and complements the other foods you're eating is so important because for people who can tolerate the original blend with things like the mustard seed powder, you know, when you think of that, if you're cooking broccoli, for example, right, you want to get the sulforaphane and that's broken down as you chew the broccoli and you break it down in your mouth. That mechanism happens um, as part of that process. But if you've cooked it, you're actually missing one of the vital ingredients. So myrosinase. And so I always tell people, if you add mustard seed powder, you're putting the myrosinase Myrosinase back in, and then you can help that enzymatic reaction to take place and get the full benefits. So by adding this, you're kind of then upgrading like the vegetables and the other things that you're doing. And I just think it just fits so well in that sense. I love that. I did not know that about mustard seeds. I love mm. that. that. That's that's great. I mean, spices and herbs are such a great way to not only bring flavor but to to support the body in eating the food, whether it's to up the nutrients, but, but also sometimes it helps with digestion just depends, but I'm, I'm such a huge fan of, of using spices and herbs. And then now organ meats, you know, I mean, like pluck is really, it's those ancestral foods, I believe are what we're missing. You know, we talked earlier about how we're a obese nation. We're obese nations with, with nutrient deficiency. And I really believe that's because we're, we've, we're focusing on these modern foods, these processed foods, and we've lost touch with the ancestral foods. So Pluck mm -hmm. is really trying to bring ancestral foods, um, but in, in the modern, you know, the, through a modern technique, which is freeze drying. Mm. Which keeps it nutrient dense. As, exactly. Actually, it's really interesting because when I was speaking to um, Dr. Kate Shanahan on the podcast, we were talking about this move away from an ancestral diet and the impact. She's done a lot of research in her book. She covers it deep nutrition and how people have moved away from things like organ meats and bone broths and the other parts of the animal. It's actually affected jaw structure, right? When you yeah. look at somebody who has really perfect teeth um, and the really good alignment, that's some of that is genetic. Some of it is actually down to diet and it's affected it. And then it affects things like their breathing and all these things have an impact. So and I think the more that we can take our new generation back to the way we should have been eating, because we seem to have traveled so far from it, so much better for the health of, of the young people growing up. I, I agree. And isn't that, isn't that more interesting and more like kind of feel like an easier route to focus on what you're putting in your body food wise than to go to a doctor and pay someone to poke and prod you and to, you know, get IVF treatment because you can't get pregnant, but like to, to just do the most immediate thing. Like people are always going, I think we're, I hope we're leaving this idea that you have to go to your doctor to figure it all out. I actually believe that you can first start. And I know I talked earlier about not self-diagnosing, but I'm not, I'm not actually saying don't, don't self-diagnose. What I'm saying is the first thing we do is look at what you're eating. Yeah. That's all you got to do. The first thing when I start, when I'm not feeling well, the first thing I do is I look at what am I eating? And then you look at what is the environment I'm living? There are so many things that are, we can be empowered around. But in terms of like, well, is what I'm eating hurting me, you know, of understanding what foods are actually hurting you, then I think it's important to go to someone that specializes in, you know, kind of a food doctor or someone, a nutritional doctor, you know, so a nutritionist or, or someone like that, who's going to be looking at those things from that lens. I think that does help. But I always believe that we are empowered in the first line of defense is what are you putting in your body? What is the food you're putting in your body? Start there. I'm always amazed that people don't think about what they eat and how it affects their diet. I, I'm, I'm kind of both dumbfounded by that. And it's to me, it's, the, it's just the easiest path. 
It is. is. And I think it's, it's so true. And I think when people crave foods, like they'll crave, they'll say, well, I just crave the salt and the chips, right? Your body will keep getting you to eat more. That's such a nutrient poor food, so nutrient poor. And you've had all the skin often removed from the potato before it's cooked. And it's in high inflammatory fats, in oils that have been heated and oxidized such temperatures that are not even regularly changed. That's right. the thing. And then there's salt on top and you feel like you're craving it, but it's your body's looking for a food and you'll eat more of the wrong thing because it's trying to extract quality nutrition from something that isn't giving it. So you're always going to have to eat more. When you eat nutrient-dense foods, as you say, we're too calorie-rich and nutrient-poor. When you go the other way and you flip that switch and you go, I'm going to become super nutrient-dense, the calories actually go down, you get a better body composition, and yet you have way more energy and health. And you're identifying one of the big things that you can do. I mean, so, so right away, the first thing I would do is I would cut out things that have ingredients and I would focus on what is an ingredient. You know, that's one thing. And I always talk about, you know, when people go grocery shopping, it's really key to not just go uh, blinded. You know, I, I, my, my saying is don't fall asleep at the cart, you know, so like don't go in there without having a plan. And, and meal planning is one of the best ways to support your health system because you're basically you're you meal plan for the week. So you're adjusting, you're making sure you're making, you know, homemade meals, first of all. So it's going to move you away from eating out, from eating these packaged foods, hopefully, but you're meal planning. So you're following a recipe, you're writing down the ingredients, you have a list of what to get. So you're not making emotional decisions. Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to grab this chocolate bar. I'm going to grab those crisps because I, I need something salty or fatty, right? So you're going off of your list and I find that that means that you're pretty much focusing on, on outside of the aisles. So most of the real food is on the outside of the aisles mm -hmm. and down the aisles is where all the processed foods, but the more you can move away from those processed foods, particularly, like you said, the ones using those poor oils, like salad dressings, um, uh, sauces, anything like that. And you even have to be careful about some spices and stuff like that. Most things have sugar in them. They also have um, decaking ingredients, you know, um, shelf stabilizers. So the more you can move away from that stuff initially, I find that um, it not only starts to, you start to feel better in your body, but what's key, and this is so important, is that your palate starts to change. Mm. When you start to remove these, these kind of synthetic artificial foods from your diet, your palate changes and suddenly uh, you can taste things better. So things that were healthier that you didn't think tasted good start to taste good. You know, and yeah. you start to find that, oh, an apple really is sweet on its own. I don't need to eat, you know, free. I don't need to eat dried apple crisps to get my apple intake because those are so sweet or I don't need to have apples. So I can just have a whole apple and I get plenty of sweetness. Mm. That's such a great point. I always say to people, you will crave whatever you are doing. So if you're eating healthy foods, you're going to crave more healthy foods. If you're exercising and you're in a good exercise routine, you're going to miss it when you don't exercise. But then when you fall out of it, the opposite is true, right? So when you don't exercise for a period of time, it feels like a huge effort to get back into it because you tend to just start to sort of want more of whatever habits you're currently doing. Um, and so, so yeah, true. totally agree. So true. It, and it's fascinating too. You know, you mentioned, um, we, we talked about umami and the nutrient deficiency and, and what you just said. I think it's so fascinating because I find that, for example, when someone needs salt, if they stick their finger in the salt jar and, and they start to eat it, they, they feel almost like, oh, I want more. And they, they keep going. And then at one point, their body says, no, you got enough. And then mm -hmm. the salt tastes different. Mm -hmm. It does. Right. I find that's true with pluck as well. And that's why I think so many kids love it is because when they, when you put it on your, your finger and you eat it, or you put it on your food, your body is getting something that it usually isn't. And I find that similar to when I drink bone broth, my body kind of curls around when I start eating things that have organ meat in it, because I think our body's telling us, it's screaming at us. You need these nutrients. We're missing from every other food out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like your body's communicating to you that I just want more and more and more. And what's interesting though, is that with, at least I find with pluck is I can't get enough. Like, whereas if I was just eating salt just on its own, my body would tell me I'm done. 
But I find even on days, like just random days, I'll stick my finger in my pluck jar and I'll just start eating it because I think I'm, it's just, I'm, my body is craving those nutrients and, mm -hmm. and we really need to listen to our bodies more. Yeah, I think we absolutely do need to listen to our bodies more. It's, there's definitely that intuitive factor and you 100% you see it with salt because I notice it in our own family. You know, my husband, he does a lot of um, exercising on the watt bike and sauna, so he's sweating loads. And so his salt requirements are higher. So he'll sometimes add salt that the kids are like, oh, it's so salty, I don't need it. And it's because it's individual. And I think if people could yeah. understand just to listen to their bodies and understand so much of this, we can be we can eat intuitively and understand what we mean we need we would be so much healthier um so where can people find pluck i've talked about it a bit on instagram i'll be sharing more uh it's it's fun you can play around with it you've got some fun flavors coming out let's um link to where they can find more about you james about the company and also give it a go yeah so it's it's so right now we're in the u.s so uh anyone outside of the u.s you are paying you know a higher shipping but we are shipping everywhere i mean anywhere that we can um and you can find it at eatpluck.com and you can find us on social media at eatpluck as well and i'm personally at chef james berry if you want to follow me i sometimes include um things that the eat pluck channel doesn't but um yeah i i look forward to when we're available you know in in retail stores um we, we hope to you know 2022 we'll start to be able to do that but right now we're only available online. Online, that's awesome. I will link to that in the show notes so everyone can go and check that out. And also a special link in the show notes if you go and check there and use code ANGELA10, you'll be able to get a discount off your first purchase. Um, it's been so wonderful to chat to you, James, and I just look to seeing this grow bigger and bigger and, and getting more people back to this ancestral way of eating. Thank you so much for supporting Awful, but also supporting small business. It's, it's just so important. and. Uh, and thank you everyone for uh, checking us out. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have so enjoyed it. And I absolutely love it when you leave me a review or share um, a screenshot of you listening to the show and tag me on Instagram um, over at Angela S. Foster. I'll always reshare and love connecting with you there in my DMs. So please do this and share the love. It helps to get the message out to a wider audience. And if you haven't already, I'd be super grateful if you can head over to iTunes and leave us a positive review because it really, really helps. As I say, get the show out to a wider audience. And if you can make it, I'd also love to see you on my longevity-based masterclass on the 30th of December at 4 p.m. GMT and that's 11 a.m. Eastern. So if you want to go and register your free spot for that, the link is bit.ly forward slash live younger masterclass. That's bit.ly forward slash live younger masterclass. And I will help show you how you can really head into 2022 as the healthiest, most vibrant, energized version of you. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle. <laughs>